Bread aisle, are you ready to rock? Dave's Killer Bread is the country's number one organic bread for a reason. Always delivering killer taste, killer texture, and killer nutrition. This isn't bread. This is bread amplified. Coming up on Millennial. We were meeting last night and she's using these Gen Z terms that I I really felt old for like the (laughs) first time in my life. I don't spend enough time on TikTok. I was going to say, you got to get on TikTok so you can pick up on the lingo so we can be the old people that are like, (laughs) hello, fellow kids. (laughs) I really am feeling that way. (laughs) I mean, there's a reason, Andrew, why you and I are probably some of the first generation of people in the States not to be vaccinated for smallpox. Because it's gone. You know why it's gone? Vaccines. Vaccines. We're making people so miserable that they're happy when there's been potential COVID exposure so they can get away from people. Yeah, it's completely nihilistic, but oh yeah, I would have been, I would have been like, okay, well, worst case scenario, I get it. Hopefully I'm okay, but you know what? I won't have to go into work. Right. The fact that you're like, I hope I don't die, but I get two weeks off work, so. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Welcome to Millennial 744. I'm Andrew. And I'm Laura. We aren't joined by Pam this week. She's actually with her fam in Portland, but one of our listeners will be joining us later in today's episode, Camille. She's one of our Bay patrons, and she has worked in um, retail management over the course of the pandemic. So we're going to talk about what that's been like and also the recent news that uh, a record number of people quit their jobs in September. So we'll be digging into all of that But first, Laura, something happened to me for the first time during the course of this pandemic. Tell me. I got hassled for wearing a mask. For wearing a mask? For wearing a mask. You got hassled for having basic consideration for your fellow man. So get this. I'm sitting at a casino bar over the weekend. And one thing I love about Vegas is a lot of the casinos, they have these bar top video poker machines and you can sit there playing 25 cent poker or blackjack or some other games. I love just chilling there because they'll also bring you free drinks. The bartender who's right in front of you. So you can get a lot of free drinks really quick. Right. And uh, so I sit down and I'm wearing my mask until I get my drink. And the guy sitting next to me turns to me. And says, oh, you know, you don't have to wear that. And I'm like, well, I don't mind wearing it right now. He's like, oh, but you don't you don't have to. You're at the bar. I'm like, it, it's OK. I, I don't want to. So immediately I'm getting a bad vibe from this guy. Right. So I just turn away. My drink comes a few minutes later and I'm playing my video poker, living my own life. And he was clearly drunk. So like 10 minutes later, he turns back to me and he said, oh, you've taken your mask off. And I'm like. Why do you have to note that? I'm thinking to myself. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I really don't mind wearing it. And then he's like, oh, but it's so nice to breathe without without a mask. And then he starts going. <sighs> yeah, I know. Laura's giving me a face right now. And I'm like, I got really annoyed. But then what especially pissed me off, and I didn't realize this until like a minute or two after his second confrontation. This motherfucker was smoking next to me. And a smoker is trying to tell me about how to take care of my lungs and how to breathe. Man, I think I would have been tempted to turn to him and be like, I wish you would put one on because I don't want to see your face. I know. I know. If it had dawned on me as he was hassling me, like the irony of him 
telling me about it while he's smoking, I would have turned back to him and been like, dude, you're trying to tell me off while you're smoking a cigarette and giving yourself cancer. Like, I literally would have said that because this guy was starting to bother me. But um, <sighs> yeah. So like I said, this guy was drunk. He did walk away. And then the person on my right, as soon as he left, she turned to me and was like, was he hassling you over a mask? And then that's when I was like, yeah, and he was smoking. Can you believe it? What I don't understand is why people feel compelled to hassle other people, harass other people for doing something that literally does not impact them. Right. Zero effect. If, if anything, you were protecting him by wearing a mask. Right. You wearing a mask was doing nothing to him. I know Um, I haven't had this experience, but I know my dad got harassed in a grocery store last year for wearing a mask at the height of the big surge last summer and fall. Uh, this couple harassed him in the aisle of a grocery store for wearing a mask. And it's like, yeah, when people decide to turn an issue of public health into their whole identity and your whole personality is based on a certain political figure who I'm just going to guess <laughs> right. this guy that you were sitting next to was a big fan of. Yeah. It just shows that you have nothing else. Like, there's no other personality going on there. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, because I could tell he was drunk, I didn't get too worked up about it. And But it's just, it's so uncomfortable. And I think he did get the get the hints after the, the first attempt Good. Uh, to, to lecture me about the mask. Because I did turn away and I just kind of started ignoring him when he tried to say a couple other things. Jesus. So, anyway... On last week's episode, we spoke about uh, some of the old toys that we used to be obsessed with as kids, and we got a lot of feedback about that discussion. Many of our listeners shared the different toys and games that their kids are obsessed with, and the one reason that people were um, offering feedback is because I had said that it doesn't seem like kids are really obsessed with physical toys anymore to me it seems like all they were obsessed with were the digital games like roblox and minecraft and mm -hmm. uh, you know etc uh, it turns out that's not the case <laughs> and i think the reason i didn't realize this is because a obviously i don't have kids but b i only really listen to tech podcasts and when they're talking about kids being obsessed with things all i hear about are the tech things Kate said Pokemon cards are still alive and well, so is Polly Pocket. Kids collect blind bag collectible stickers and toys like Mad. Beyblades are still huge, as are Lull Dolls, Shopkins, Hatchimals, and Beanie Boos. Cheryl said, I work in a school, and it's very true that Pokemon cards are extremely popular. Also, I've noticed a lot of sports cards lately. And Ryan said, reality is a big part of the popularity of Minecraft. It's digital Legos. Real-life Legos are also going as strong as ever. I'm That's a Lego true. customer <laughs> mm -hmm. more Me than too. ever. Yeah. So I wanted to throw that feedback in. It's good to see that kids are still playing with physical toys. That does warm my heart. In my defense, what I meant to say last week is I don't hear about total obsessions that are being banned from schools because we were talking about like Pokemon and, and the little pet toys, Tamagotchis being banned from school. I don't hear about that anymore. I'm sure it's still the case. Now that I read through all this yeah, feedback. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, from your vantage point, it would seem 
like kids are more into digital goods because when you're out and about and you see kids, what are they playing on, right? Like right, they right. have their phones, they have their tablets on them. And I'm guessing that those are easier to carry around than a lot of physical toys. Although I could be speaking out of line there. We're going to get feedback next week being like, no, my kid brings their physical toys with them everywhere. <laughs> so feel they're, free to correct me. <laughs> yeah, they're playing Beyblades right on the table at the restaurant. But I know what you're talking about. Like so you go to restaurants and you see kids typically have the phones and the tablets. And that's so the parents can try to have a somewhat peaceful dinner and the kids right. can be distracted with the screen. And I don't blame them. Yeah. No, I get it, too. I know there are some people who are really judgmental about, you know, how much screen time you should allow your kids to have. And I think that that's really a personal decision. And if you're concerned about it, you should have conversations with, you know, a professional about what might be best for your family. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I totally get it. Sometimes parents need a break. And it's super easy to put an iPad in front of the kid for 30 minutes and be like, oh, my God. Let me breathe. And it truly does the trick. That's why parents depend on it. Like I've seen my sister with her two uh, sons in the car. Like if one of them's having a tantrum, you just hand them the phone, hit play on uh, Baby Shark. Problem solved. Like (laughs) that solves things immediately. So I get it. I get why you have to do that sometimes. But anyway, thanks for that feedback. Um, So we have a little bit of news that's hit between episodes. First of all, Beto O'Rourke has announced that he's running for governor in Texas. That's exciting news. And I can't say that it's surprising. Um, We remember that he ran for the Senate against Ted Cruz a few years ago, um, lost by a very narrow margin. Beto is very popular in Texas. And Texas has been increasing its uh, blue representation. So I would say right now is as good a time as any for Beto. I I hope it works out for him this time. Um, And then also Steve Bannon has surrendered himself to the FBI. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) That was nice to see. That was the same (laughs) day. And here's another news update. Brittany was officially freed from her conservatorship. Right. So it, it felt like a very good day. I feel like there was something else that happened on Friday that was very good news. But yeah. And by the way, speaking of Beto, I just want to make my recommendation right now. If you want to learn more about Beto, and I'll be following his campaign for governor, I think that's very exciting Mm -hmm. that he's going to be running. There was a documentary on HBO called Running with Beto, and it followed his campaign for Senate against Ted Cruz in 2018. I love these political documentaries. Like every single one, I find fascinating just the because there's a clear arc with the documentary, them running for office, and they either succeed or fail. It's it's always a fun watch. Um, there's a there's a Mayor Pete one out. Did you hear about that? It was just released on Amazon. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, um, but I did watch, um, I think it was called Knocking Down the House, and it was about, primarily focused on AOC when she was running. Oh, that one was so good. Yeah, Yeah, it was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Featured Corey Bush as well. Yeah. And a couple of others. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, She reminded me the other big thing that happened this past Friday. Taylor Swift's Red. Taylor's version came out. So yeah, it was it was a big day. <laughs> yeah. Big so day. what's going on with her and Jake Gyllenhaal? I keep seeing memes, but I don't really understand it. I'm so glad you asked. Okay, so <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not a Swifty. Pam would have the answer here, but here's what I've gathered. So Taylor just released 
the re-recording of Red. I think we spoke about this a while ago. She's re-recording all her earlier albums because uh, she lost the she doesn't have the rights to them. So she's kind of taking them back by re-recording them. She released Red, Taylor's version. This is the second one to be released. And there's a few more still coming. There's a song on Red called All Too Well. And this song is about her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. On Taylor's version, there is now a 10-minute version of All Too Well. And this one has more lyrics in it. So there's more stuff about her relationship with Jake. And people love this song. So this new version, this new 10-minute version of All Too Well came out. And so we're kind of like digging up the old dirt on Jake Gyllenhaal. So that's why you're hearing about Taylor and Jake Gyllenhaal. She also did All Too Well on SNL on Saturday. The 10-minute version. She just did one song on SNL. It was All Too Well. She also released All Too Well 10-minute version, acoustic version, Taylor's version. (laughs) There's a lot going on with Taylor right now. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm disappointed to hear that apparently her portrayal of Jake Gyllenhaal is not a very positive one. I personally like him as an actor. And at least according to TikTok and, you know, all the memes, uh, if you're a Swifty, um, Jake Gyllenhaal is like persona non grata. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jake yeah. did her dirty. That's uh, what we have gathered from Red. And actually, there's been a lot of writing on this over the past week, too, about uh, relationships between an older man and a younger girl, because I think there was a pretty sizable age gap there. Yeah, I think she was like 21 when they Mm. dated. Mm. She was very young, and that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) At the very least. Um, Something else I wanted to bring up, Chris mentioned it in our Discord, and I'm so glad they brought this up. Alex Jones, judge ruled against him. He So... Rewinding a bit here, the Sandy Hook families, families of the children that were tragically murdered um, in the school shooting in Sandy Hook uh, in Connecticut several years ago, um, they won their lawsuit against Alex Jones. Um, judge ruled against him because he failed to comply with the discovery process. So he lost by default. <laughs> and really, why would he comply with anything? When he doesn't have a case. When he doesn't have a case. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a well-deserved victory, but um, somber note for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it was good to see. And that was another thing that happened on Friday. So that was busy Friday for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that can just be our podcast from now on. Let's just recap the past Friday's news, oh, good or bad. We can be like, um, what's what's that podcast Spotify does? Your daily drive. Oh, yeah. Daily millennial. Weekly millennial. Your Friday (laughs) report released on Wednesday. Perfect. (laughs) So more to come on today's episode. But first, this week's episode is sponsored by Public.com. On Public.com, you can start investing on a smaller scale with slices of shares. Invest in what you believe in with any amount of money. You can also exchange ideas and insights with a community of investors and build your portfolio with confidence. Public.com makes it easy to learn and invest and surrounds you with a community of others who are investing in stocks and ETFs as well as crypto. What I also love is that Public.com puts stocks together in themed collections. And then there's ETFs, which are groups of companies all wrapped up in a fund that you buy into. These are really great to invest in because if one particular company in that ETF has a bad day, that's okay because you didn't put all your eggs in one basket, the eggs being the money. 
that fund has multiple stocks in it, all smoothing out each other's crazy ups and downs. So in other words, ETFs can help your portfolio run smooth- smoothly with steady growth over time. Public.com is a very easy to use app, so you won't feel like it's out of your league, unlike other trading apps, which can be very confusing. And like I was saying during our investment discussion last week, it's amazing how easy getting into investing can be these days. Start investing with as little as $1 and get a free slice of stock up to $50 when you join public.com today. Visit public.com slash millennial to download the app and sign up. That's public.com slash millennial. Valid for U.S. residents 18 and over, subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures. This is not investment advice. We're going to end each episode with Andrew being like, this is not financial advice. I don't remember <laughs> if we talked finances, but just in case to cover all our bases, this or is just, not financial advice. Or just say at the end, this isn't advice. None of this was advice. Don't yes. listen to any of this. Like, see a financial advisor, go to therapy, call your mom. Like, this don't, is not advice. Don't listen to our opinions on kids and toys. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> So we have a show-related announcement. We said recently we were looking for a new social media manager, and we are very happy to say that we very quickly found somebody. And by the way, a bunch of our listeners wrote in applying for the role. Thank you so much to everybody who did. We got many great applications. And this is what sucks about hiring. It's saying no to people who are absolutely qualified. So thank you to everybody who did apply. We really appreciate you reaching out. It really does mean a lot that you want to work with us. We did hire somebody named Chloe, and she is starting working for us this week. And we love her already. She has been a delight to work with. Here's the fun twist on Chloe. She's a Gen Zer. <gasps> She's close to 10 years younger than us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she had an awesome resume and she had awesome ideas. So we were very quickly drawn to her. And I just freaking love that a podcast called Millennial has a Gen Zer on the team running the social media accounts. And I said to Chloe, and we're going to do this soon, we're going to update the social media bios to say, at the end, this account run by a Gen Zer. And I think it'll be fu- so funny to see a Twitter account that says millennial than the end account run by Gen Zer. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We hired social media managers in the first place because we were doing a very inadequate job of managing our social media. Yeah. And who better to do this than somebody who, one, does it for a living, but also um, someone who's just entrenched in that environment. I mean, right. Chloe, she's been amazing to talk to so far. She's doing a lot of groundwork to really get to know the show's voices. You know, she's obviously doing this for MuggleCast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's just putting a lot of effort into, you know, amplifying all of the great work that Jewel did for us over the years. And I'm super excited to work with her. I really hope that uh, she'll feel comfortable uh poking fun at us sometimes through the social channels. Yeah. Oh, she already was doing it to me on the MuggleCast one earlier today. So good. And we were meeting last night and she's using these Gen Z terms that I I really felt old for like the <laughs> first time in my life. I was like, okay, yeah. So why don't you do that? And she just goes, yeah, bet. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bet? Yeah, bet? Yeah, bet. what? 
But you know, like over Zoom, sometimes the audio quality isn't great. So she was saying bet. I didn't really hear that, though. I heard like bet. And then she had to tell me Gen Zers use bet, meaning I'll do it. I'm going to do it. You can bet on it. I'd never heard that in my life. See, I don't I don't spend enough time on TikTok. See, I was going to say you got to get on TikTok so you can pick up on the lingo so we can be the old people that are like, (laughs) hello, fellow kids. (laughs) I really am feeling that way. So, yeah, it's it's been very enlightening so far. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, but she's amazing. And I'm so excited for our partnership. Definitely. And uh, she's a lot of fun to talk to. So I I think we'll have her on the show at some point because maybe we can have like a Gen Zer teaches millennials. I don't know, something would be amazing. She has a great story about her getting vaccinated, too. So I told her she has to share it on Millennial. It's unbelievable. Well, speaking of vaccines, we can leap into our first story here today. And this is a story that has a place um, very close to my heart because this is a place that's very close to my heart. Um, Costa Rica has become the first country in the world to make COVID vaccines mandatory for children ages 5 to 11. Wow. Um, I think a lot of our longtime listeners probably know this, but if you're newer to the show, I lived in Costa Rica for a couple of years, um, have people down there who are very near and dear to my heart. Um, I wish that I could visit more than I get a chance to. It's been a few years since I got to go back. Um, But this was really exciting to see. Because I feel like there has been um, quite a bit of progress there around vaccines that we haven't necessarily seen in this country. So I wanted to bring it up on the show, one, because it just warms my heart. But two, in our um, listener survey we just did, there was a request for more international stories. And while we want to make sure that we're only talking about things that we feel well informed about. This felt like something that we could, you know, talk about and compare it to our own situation here in the States. Um, And, you know, I could bring the perspective of having lived there, being really happy to see this. Yeah, I'm curious, because you were living there. I'm sure you still have a bunch of friends who are there. How do they feel about this? Everybody feels like it's, it's normal. And just the natural progression of things. Um, I reached out to a few of my friends and probably the most, like the closest thing that I got to a negative response was nobody likes it when the government tells you to do things, but this is really important. So (laughs) I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And it really was just illuminating for me to hear that from my friends there. When I look at the fact that I have friends here who are still questioning this vaccine and still buying into some really faulty logic and faulty sources around yeah. vaccines and the virus and everything. Yeah. Um, but this will be starting in March of 2022. Um, so Costa Rica will be give will begin giving 1.5 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine to children aged five to eleven, and um, did a little bit of digging on population stats in the country. Fifty five percent of the population has been vaccinated, with more than seventy percent of those aged between twelve and nineteen having received at least one dose. And this was something very encouraging to me, but also. Um, 
it's a very deep contrast to how people are feeling here in the States. Um, The University of Costa Rica um, did a survey and 69% of Costa Ricans surveyed are in favor of the vaccine mandates. 69%. Can you imagine? Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, You don't see that here. You don't see that here. Furthermore, 90% of respondents said that they believe the vaccine is safe. Ooh, very high. Also would not happen here. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm wondering, you know, us being in a country that is struggling to get most adults vaccinated, how how does Costa Rica's approach strike us? Do we think something like this could ever be accomplished here? Or is it going to take 50 years of progress before something like a COVID vaccine becomes normalized? Yeah, so I certainly understand why parents want to do their research before getting their kids vaccinated. Of course, I totally get that. Or even waiting it out a little while to see additional research be published. But in terms of mandatory vaccines for kids... I wanted to try to answer this question by looking at what vaccines are mandated across all 50 states in America. And as far as I can tell, all 50 states require two vaccines, the polio vaccine and then the DTaP vaccine, which covers multiple things. These illnesses and the vaccines for them have been around for a very long time. And there's just a public consensus at this point that we don't want our kids getting infected with any of these illnesses. So we give the kids the vaccines and they're mandatory and there's no question about it. So will we ever get to that point with COVID and vaccinating against COVID? I don't think so. At best, it's going to take a very long time if we ever even get there. And we're going to first have to get far away from all the misinformation out there. Yeah. And we don't even know if that's ever going to happen. So we may never get to the consensus that Costa Rica has. And mandatory COVID vaccines for kids may never happen in America. Yeah. What I find so interesting about their approach, Costa Rica's Department of Public Health acknowledged that... While children are very unlikely to become seriously ill with COVID-19, that they are extremely likely to incubate it and spread it to other vulnerable populations. So they're taking an approach that is more about the, the greater good for all the people, as opposed to, you know, doubling down on the personal liberties argument. Not to say that no one there feels that way. You know, countries and cultures, they're not a monolith, right? Like there are diverse opinions everywhere. Um, But it is just interesting to look at these two countries, you know, Costa Rica and the United States. They mean so much to me. And in a lot of ways, Costa Rica feels like home to me, too. Mm. So it's just very interesting to feel like I'm looking (laughs) at these two places that are so important to me, having very like radically different responses to vaccine rollouts. Yeah. Does it make you want to move back? (laughs) You know, if it were feasible, I would do it. But it's just not in the cards for me right now. I couldn't do my job from there. Um, Mark doesn't speak Spanish. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) also uh, for his job prospects, there are other cities that are probably more advantageous for the both of us right not a ton of video game development in costa rica no 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 not really not yet but (laughs) let's work on it y'all costa rica's beautiful 
I'm sure. Um, but something that I wanted to point out, you know, in contrast to how this vaccine mandate is being received in Costa Rica, uh, Costa Rica also a few months ago required that all public employees be vaccinated. Um, and that was not met with the same response that it's been met with here. But uh, just this last week, the Fifth U.S. Uh, Circuit Court of Appeals put a hold on Biden's mandate to require companies with more than 100 employees to require COVID vaccines. Yeah, that's a bummer. These are adults. <laughs> These are adults being like, no, my yeah. rights. Yeah. But these I are private do a southern companies. Accent. It's not it's not fair. But I mean you live in the south so it's okay. Right, it's okay. I I'm southern. It doesn't prevent private employers from having vaccine requirements. It just means that the federal government cannot require those private companies to have vaccine requirements if that makes sense. There are still mm-hmm. plenty of private companies that will be requiring that for their employees just like As we mentioned several episodes ago, there are so many vaccines that you have to have to just exist in a society. Um, You know, if you want to get on a plane and fly to certain countries, guess what? You're going to have to get vaccines before you do that. If you want to go to public school, if you want to go to college or university, lots of vaccines that are required with that. So I do think it's going to take incremental progress. It's just funny because I I wonder, I find myself wondering because our grandparents are of the age to remember polio outbreaks. My grandparents have told me about it every summer. Um, There would be outbreaks and they would have to shut down all the movie theaters and all the pools and basically everywhere that you could congregate in public. And I wonder at the time, was there this level of resistance to the polio vaccine when it was discovered? I think misinformation was just way less rampant. You didn't have social media to look at. You didn't have 24-hour news to watch. Yeah, you don't have info wars. Yeah. (laughs) There there wasn't this crazy right-wing radio like info wars. Just misinformation has gotten so, so bad. And I'm sure there were people who were maybe against the vaccines, but not not nearly as many as there are now against the COVID vaccine. And like we take the fact that we've basically eradicated polio. Yeah, we take that fact for granted. What it always comes back to for me is like, can't you just appreciate the science and the vaccines? Like, just be happy. I mean, there's a reason, Andrew, why you and I are probably... Some of the first people in the States, some of the first generation of people in the States, not to be vaccinated for smallpox. Because it's gone. Because it's gone. (laughs) You know why it's gone? Vaccines. Vaccines. Yeah. But anyway, just wanted to share that and just give some love to my second home of Costa Rica. And I was also really thankful for this story because it you know, made me reach out to some friends and catch up with them and ask what they were thinking and feeling. But it was also just a great opportunity to reconnect with some folks that I hadn't talked to in a little while. So and they're all doing well. So I feel very fortunate. Awesome. Well, speaking of uh, the COVID vaccines, this just broke before we started recording. So I wanted to mention it. The Pfizer booster is likely to be approved by the FDA for all adults 
by the end of this week. Awesome. Some of us in America have been able to get the booster shot depending on your age and if you have any pre-existing conditions and whatnot. I haven't fallen into one of those categories and now it looks like that maybe this Friday I could get Pfizer if I want. I had two of the Modernas. I'm going to pull Nicki Minaj and do a little research myself this week. Like, do I want to get that third shot now? Do I want to wait a couple weeks? Do I want to get Pfizer? Do I want to get Moderna? What did you get? For the third? I got Moderna. So you had Moderna for all three. Yes. Yeah. And it just so happened that in my area, Moderna was the most commonly available. Um, so that's what I went for. But um, the FDA did approve that mix and match approach to your point, yes. Andrew. So if you received, you know, Moderna or Pfizer, you can flip flop for your booster. Uh, if you receive Johnson and Johnson, you should definitely get Moderna or Pfizer yeah. <laughs> as a booster. Yeah. Um, just higher efficacy rates. But yeah, I, I mean, if you're not sure, you should talk to your doctor. You can also get your antibody levels tested to see what your immune response is looking like right now to see if it's necessary. Yeah. But it also can't hurt. The, like, I trust the science. Absolutely. But it still does feel weird to do a mix and match. Like, I kind of want to be a clean sweep of Moderna. I want to be a gold star Moderna. Gay. Then do that. Okay. Then do that. The efficacy rates on doing a straight Moderna are very high. Yeah. Um. As as are the rates of doing two Moderna and one Pfizer and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And my my brother who got Johnson and Johnson, I think is going to get Pfizer or Moderna. He has to. Good. You have to if you're Johnson yeah. and Johnson. Yeah. These other He's ones. He's not going to get stronger. another J and J, is he? No. 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 <laughs> I mean, what's the difference at this point? It's still one shot. You know what I mean? Right. Well, all right, y'all, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. But first, I wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our second sponsor this week. Their Way, the hair care brand that is single-handedly saving my hair this winter season. We all know that harsh winter weather can be hard on our hair because the dry air sucks all the moisture away. I've been a fan of Way's leave-in conditioner before they were even a sponsor of this show because it conditions, detangles, and leaves hair smooth, shiny, and manageable all year long. I'm in love with everything Way makes because it's gentle on my color-treated hair, but super effective at keeping me from getting buildup or being super dry. Also, this stuff smells amazing, like what you'd imagine some fancy French boutique to smell like. Anytime I'm out and about after I've washed my hair or put in some leave-in conditioner, I'm guaranteed to get compliments. For protection from heat, dryness, and frizz, the way to healthier hair is Way's best-selling leave-in conditioner. It protects hair from heat up to 450 degrees, smells completely amazing, and is color-safe and cruelty-free. Discover a new way of life with cruelty, sulfate, and paraben-free hair care, body, and fragrance products from Way. Go to theway.com, that's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, and use code M-I-L-L to get 15% off your entire order. That's 15% off your entire order at theway.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, when you use code M-I-L-L. All right. We are now joined by one of our listeners and Bay supporters, Camille. Hi, Camille. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. Thanks so much for having me. You are welcome. It's great to have you. We're going to talk about working in retail during uh, COVID and retail management. But first, tell us a little more about yourself, and that'll help explain why we're having you on for this discussion. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Camille. Um, I live in Milwaukee right now, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I worked retail all through the pandemic. Honestly, been working retail since I turned 18. So <laughs> about 12 years now. Um, and then I was in retail management. I've been in retail management for the past almost four years. Are you vaccinated? I am. I'm fully vaccinated. I haven't gotten my booster yet, um, but that's on the book. So <laughs> perfect. So we met last week and I learned a couple interesting things about you. You grew up in Alaska. Yes. Yeah. So I was born and raised. I lived there until I was just about to turn 15 right before high school. Um, we I was uh, yeah born and then lived in Fairbanks for all of my school and grew up there. Do you want to intro that story about the sub-zero temperatures? Yeah, so that's kind of one of the fun fact fun facts I use. Like anytime there's an icebreaker game or whatever. Um, so in elementary school we had recess, and the rule in the school district I was in in Fairbanks, uh, which is like right in the smack dab middle of the state, is that you will have outdoor recess unless it is negative twenty degrees or colder without wind chill. <laughs> so if it's negative eighteen, negative nineteen, you're going outside. Um, and for at least at my school, until you were in fourth grade, you had three recesses. So there was like a 15 minute one and then a 30 minute one at lunch and then a 15 minute one at, later in the day. And even like when you're older, you get, you know, um, a 30 minute recess before or after lunch and you're going outside unless it is negative 20 degrees or colder. That is crazy. Did you just run around outside just to keep warm? Like you can't stand still. <laughs> yeah. So we would walk like lap. There's like a kind of a lap. If you weren't playing on the playground, you would walk laps. Um, my elementary school actually was out a little bit further. So we had an ice rink that some people would, or that some parents would, once it like got cold enough to freeze would ice over, um, and try to maintain. And anyway, anyone who knows about out ice skating outdoors, it's horrible if it's not inside. Cause it's like not smooth at all. But that was my trick was if you brought your ice skates to ice skate at lunch, you didn't get to start putting them on until like the recess bell rang. So you could get like 10 minutes because you're lacing up your oh skates God. and then go out and skate for 10 minutes and then have to go inside early to take your ice skates off. Wow. <laughs> Hacks to stay inside longer. Yeah. So you don't freeze to death. That's funny. Also, I need to give a special shout out to the poster behind Camille. It just says bagels like five times. Love it. Laura, when I met with her last week, it was kind of dark and I couldn't really make out what it said. And I was like, should I ask if that says bagels? And <laughs> I didn't want to, but I also did because I'm obsessed with bagels. Me too. And Camille, I aspire to be somebody who hangs up a poster on their wall that just says bagels six times down it. So respect. Thank you. It's kind of my thing. The rest <laughs> of my family is like not super into bagels. And that's like the only thing I want to eat ever. So oh my God, I same. love bagels. Yeah. What's your favorite type of bagel? I unfortunately am very boring. Um, sesame seed with just plain cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty boring. Yeah. I like veggie cream cheese and maybe like a, a wheat bagel or mm -hmm. I love salt bagels which are definitely not healthy for yeah. you or a chocolate chip bagel <laughs> and bagel sandwiches. Mm, mm, mm. I love bagel sandwiches, like uh, a, an egg and cheese on a bagel. Yeah. Yep. So good. Yeah. Duncan's got that beyond sandwich. I, I get it with a, on a bagel so instead. Good. Yeah, it really is. So anyway, on to more important topics. <laughs> so since Camille, you've worked in retail and retail management, I wanted to discuss working retail during the pandemic and why so many people are leaving their jobs 
and or not returning to work. The reason I wanted to discuss this is because last week we learned that a record 4.4 million people quit their jobs in September. And the Washington Post did a great job of summarizing what's been going on. They said, quote, a number of factors have led to the churn. The September data came during a period when coronavirus cases were spiking, creating childcare and safety pressures for many employees as they rethought their daily routines. Many other workers, meanwhile, were lured to other jobs because of better pay and benefits as employers became desperate to fill openings. And a strong stock market combined with stimulus checks and other benefits have helped pad workers' savings, making it easier for them to cut loose or retire rather than hold on to a job they no longer want. And quits are highest in the industries that feel least safe, including retail, leisure and hospitality, health services, and education. So. Does this align with what you've been seeing, Camille? Because as somebody who's worked in management, I'm sure you've been involved to at least some extent with the hiring and and losing people. Does this echo what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, you know, everything that you just mentioned, but it it's the combination, I think, of the fact that people have just gotten to the point where, I mean, retail jobs before the pandemic were certainly not for everyone. I mean, it's a lot of, it's dealing with the public every day. It's being customer facing, just it's a lot. So you kind of add on all these other like additional stressors and it just gets to the point where, I mean, full disclosure, I, and I told you this, Andrew, I had my last day in management about three weeks ago. I actually just got a new job. Um, that I started. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's, oh, <laughs> it was a long thing. Um, that's, pro- that's anyway, something else to talk about the fact that <laughs> everyone's saying like, everyone is hiring and I'm like, are they really? Because that's not been my experience, but cool. I'm trying. I've been trying for quite a while with all the additional stressors of everything in the pandemic. That's all completely true. We can get into this later, but um, as someone who, like I said before, had has been working customer, like every job I have ever had has been interacting with the public and customer facing. I have like never been treated so terribly um, as I have mm. the past year and a half. It is, wow. it's honestly like unbelievable. And I've worked like every Black Friday for the past, I don't know how many years, six years, seven years, eight years. And it just got from like the moment, at least in my experience, from the moment we reopened, it's like people have uh, forgotten that like you're talking to a human being. Is it because you're asking people to wear a mask? Is it just general customer questions? Like what what are people getting testy about more than I ever? I think that's part of it. There's almost just like a general, I don't know if it, the right way to say it would be lack of empathy or impatience is part of it. Like people are so impatient, which to a certain extent, I do not, I'm, I don't want to say I'm understanding of it because people have been dicks, but, um, I understand if you, you know, were previously don't have any experience with things like the supply chain or things like that coming into Uh. a store and seeing like, okay, they're out of everything I need. What is going on? It is, it, you don't get what's going on. And and that can be confusing when it's like, if you've previously never had a problem with UPS packages arriving on the, you know, when they say they're going to arrive at the correct time. And all of a sudden there's one week, two week long delays. It is, it is kind of like, 
hard to understand and you're not sure what's going on. And they attack you like you're the person who personally drove it over from yes. like wherever it was supposed to come from. Yeah. The amount of people that <laughs> that we had upset that, you know, their UPS package is two days late or that, you know, the post office says their package is delivered, but it's not delivered. And they're, you know, calling their local local um, store asking where their package is. And it's like, ma'am, <laughs> I don't know. You don't handle those shit. Like when would you yeah. ever have thought that calling here was going to help you with anything? I don't know. But right. uh, and even before the pandemic, this was something I don't think people had a real grasp of unless they had some kind of experience in the service industry. It doesn't have to be a lot, you know, even a short stint. You'll you'll learn very quickly. But I uh, I was in retail for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the thing one of the things that irked me so much was if somebody would be looking for something and it was not displayed when they do the whole, uh, can you check in the back? Like they think the back is this like magical space repository that has everything. I'm like it's the giving tree. Yeah. Do you you think that if we just ha- you think we're keeping it back there and we're like ha ha ha, we're not gonna sell it to them? Like <laughs> no. Yeah, we're gonna make them ask for this so we can go in the back and pull it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I uh, we get that all the time. Um, I especially. The past, I mean, honestly, since the pandemic started, people like don't believe you anymore, which I, I can, I want to be somewhat sympathetic to. I get, I've been places where I'm like, okay, the kid I asked at like whatever big box store I'm at does not know and just doesn't want to check. I I'm honestly, I get it. Like (laughs) I wouldn't either. So like, if you don't, if you just want to say you don't have it and don't want to check, I'm not pressing. I think that in general, particularly in this country, there's a sense of entitlement that drives people to view service industry workers as like numbers on a paper, right? Just blank faces. And you're there to fulfill a need that I think I have. And if you can't fulfill it, then you're fucking up or you don't care Or I'm going to lose my shit on you because apparently in some people's minds, it's acceptable to do that. And I just have to imagine, as you said, as you alluded to, it's only been worse over the last two years. So I wanted to also ask you about mask enforcement. That's been a real struggle, right? Yes. Yes. So um, at the retail location I currently work at, we are not enforcing masks. We have a sign on the door that I believe says masks recommended, but they're not required. Um, So we had coming back my county, uh, most of the state of Wisconsin had a mask mandate. So we were enforcing it and it was up to us because the other thing is So my store is in a mall location, mall security, technically the whole mall had a mask mandate, but that was a whole other thing is that if there's enough people in the mall, there's only so many security guards. And the few times that I ever saw a security guard ask people to put a mask on, they got screamed at. Wow. So, and then the other issue is other stores were not, I mean, either they just decided not to enforce the mask mandate or they just 
don't have enough people to, to enforce the mask mandate. So right. when it like switches from, from store to store within kind of that same small area location, that becomes difficult as well. But my company, and I mean, mainly that was like my main job for quite a while there, many months, um, was enforcing the mask mandate, which that must've been hell. <laughs> yeah, it was not fun. I will say, um, I, especially like right after we came back and I was like, oh, okay. So people are just, it became very apparent that people are like pretty most for the most part, not all definitely have like great customers who are very nice people and very respectful and understanding. But after I kind of like worked the first, I don't know, like month that we were reopened and it was like, oh, so this is going to be hell. I got almost like a little nihilistic and was like, every time that I was working was like, I'm going to enforce the mask mandate. And honestly, I hope someone screams at me because I'll call security and then they'll probably let me not come into work tomorrow. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. That's funny. And also sad. Yeah. I mean, Uh, also at our location in particular as well, like most, the vast majority of my coworkers um, were girls under the age of like 23. And they're not getting paid enough to like confront these grown ass people about not putting a mask on when there's like clearly a sign on the door and you're supposed to be wearing a mask in our entire County. So I, right. I kind of was like, if I'm here, I will, you come get me. I will tell them to put it on or get out. <laughs> That's great. Because I feel like even some managers don't really want to enforce the mask rules, whether yeah. or not they believe in the mandates. Like even if you do believe in the mandate, you just don't want to deal with these dicks giving you hell in the store when you have so much else to deal with during the day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely, it is like a, you have to kind of make a judgment call. Every person who comes to the door, it's like, okay, is this person like, did they just take it off while they were in the hallway and forget to put it back on? Or are they going to like literally yell and scream at me? Um, and whip out their phone yeah. and start going on some spiel about freedom and personal rights and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I only ever had someone, I think, take a photo of me one time, um, but oh, I did no. not get doxxed. Really? So, I, I, I'm pretty sure, yes, um, but I think she was just like annoyed at me and then nothing ever happened. Like, I don't think she even called corporate or anything, but I did. I, once I saw her do that after she had left the store, I was like, Oh my God, I think I told her my full name. Like, is this, am mm. I about to end up on Fox news? <laughs> the worst, I guess that would have come of that is them reporting you to corporate and what yeah. you were just doing your job. Yeah. So like, whatever. She asked yeah. me um, if it was, <laughs> she came in and I asked if she would put a mask on and she said, well, is it corporate policy to discriminate against people? Um, and I just smiled and was like, oh, yeah, it's a corporate policy. <laughs> and then she did leave and possibly took my picture outside. But I was going to say I would have said exactly what you said, like take the words right out of yeah. my mouth there. And so I'm sure many of the workers, too, and yourself included, are uncomfortable, uncomfortable working in an environment where you are face to face with people. Some of these people, of course, not wearing masks or if masks or if masks or if they are. They just put it on for you and they haven't been wearing it elsewhere. So they could very well be carrying COVID. Yeah, it's definitely I, you know, like I said, when I when I first when we first opened back up, I I got kind of nihilistic about it because I was like, okay, so I'm here. Our average traffic when it was super slow, like right after we reopened, like last summer um, was minimum like one hundred and 
15, 120 people a day. And that was like a very slow day. Um, and just because of our hours, like I was there the whole time we were open. So it was kind it did kind of, it, it makes you think I'm like, okay, well, I know that I'm wearing a mask and hopefully everyone I interact with is wearing a mask, but also like I've interacted with 120 people today. So, I mean, I never, I, yeah. I should say that I know of, I could have been asymptomatic before I got back, but that I know right. of, I, I've been completely fine. So I, uh, I have friends who have been in retail or service industry more largely during the pandemic. And you mentioned feeling kind of nihilistic. Some of them got to the point where they would actually be kind of relieved if there was an outbreak in their workplace because it would force everybody to take some time oh. off. Mm, and and get I'm tested. like, how, how fucked is that? That we're making people so miserable that they're happy when there's been potential COVID exposure so they can get away from people. Yeah, it's completely nihilistic. But oh, yeah, I would have been I would have been like, okay, well, worst case scenario, I get it. Hopefully I'm okay. But you know what? I won't have to go into work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The fact that you're like, I hope I don't die, but I get two weeks off work. So yeah, pretty, <laughs> but pretty my great. corporate policy, I'm not allowed there. So yeah. <laughs> so, and I just get to sit at home and eat bagels. Yes. Times. So but speaking of the hazards of working in retail, you also brought up to me last week an incident that happened in your mall. I guess it was a couple of years ago. And this is another reason people don't want to work retail. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah, absolutely. So my mall just about a year ago, almost exactly. Um, there was a shooting at my mall. Um, eight people were injured My God! by whatever, whatever mechanisms of the universe. No one was, no one was killed. The injuries were all not life threatening, I guess. Not life threatening. Uh, no, yes. Yeah. yeah. No one ended up in critical condition or anything, which I mean, still obviously horrific. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was while the mall was open. It was like very close to the entrance of my store. I happened to have been on vacation while it was happening. Um, so, you know, I was just getting like the security alerts, trying to call everyone I knew asking what was happening and making sure people were okay. But that, I mean, regardless of whether or not it's actually happened to you at your workplace, it unfortunately like is a very big very real fear that most people have to contend with. It's unfortunately not as unlikely, I think, as we'd like to think that like you will end up in an active shooter situation or I mean, even even something else like. I don't know, I mean, something else very dangerous in this country, but yeah, the the gun violence thing is particularly like it's unfortunately not as uncommon as I think we'd like to think. Yeah. And as we all know, it doesn't matter if it's a uh, retail, a church, a school, it could really happen anywhere. But if you're working at a mall or in retail five, six days a week, eight, nine hours a day, you're really running up the, the chances that a shooting could one day happen near or where you work. And it's a real consideration that people have to make now. Yeah. yeah. Camille, did you ever have to do active shooter drills in any of your retail jobs? So I've never had to do drills, um, but we definitely have like the active shooter training, which I guess is kind mm-hmm. of the same thing. Um, yeah. But like a program, you have to do it every year. Flee, hide, fight. 
is I believe the one that we did, which is, you know, the order of operations. You flee if you can, if you can't, you hide, if you have to, you fight. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure just like most people probably have to do it for their jobs. I definitely had to do it in school. It's unfortunately like you have to do it every year. Yeah. So I think we've uh, established why so many people are leaving their jobs because of the pandemic, because of other uh, safety concerns, et cetera, low pay, all of that. Another interesting item in this Washington Post article, one economist said that it's really a worker's economy. It's a good time for people to be moving. Employees are really in charge for the first time in a long time. Now, Camille, I said we know that just a few minutes ago, you said you it took you a while to look for a new job. But I have to think that this economist is right because there are so many businesses looking for workers right now. And in order to attract people, in some cases, you have to offer better benefits. And um, uh, one example in this article was that some jobs have been um, offering signing bonuses. It is good to see that it can be easier to find a job and maybe get a nice little bonus or some other cool benefits right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, certainly even at the store I work at, sorry, I'm not saying because I uh, tried to read our social media policy and it was very unclear about whether or not I was allowed to say uh, where I work. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, no pressure. (laughs) That stuff tends to be purposefully nebulous. Yeah. So I hear you. We at least at our company corporate wide, like at the moment, the there's not necessarily a signing bonus, um, but they are offering like if you work, I believe the weekend of Black Friday and the weekend before um, Christmas, which I think is like December 18th and 19th that weekend, um, your hourly rate goes up, I think, by four dollars. So they're really trying to incentivize people to work, which at least at at my workplace, um, my boss very kindly is, uh, letting me not work those weekends because I just, uh, was a manager and she knows I've worked the last, I think like five or six holidays in a row and haven't gotten to see my family or been home (laughs) since I moved out here. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. Honestly, the reason I stayed as long as I did in management. But yeah, they're definitely doing whatever they can to entice you. And as far as like the additional, um, the additional pay goes, I think honestly, they must've just been scared. People like flat out either would quit or wouldn't show up because like the vast majority of retail, you have to work those weekends. Like it is not a choice. You don't, unless there's special circumstances or, you know, you're, you're the places I've worked, like if you're going out of town and you get your request in like two months ahead of time, you might be able to get it off, but it's just so busy. They, they can't let people not work. So I I think that definitely speaks to it. I mean, if you're willing to pay literally every employee an additional $4 an hour for, (laughs) for however many hours they work that weekend, you're, you're Mm -hmm. in dire straits. So, yeah. Well, and I think that um, employees also have more leverage now in terms of perks and benefits, you know, I, something that I'm really hoping to see is more retailers letting their employees sit the fuck down during their shift. This oh. was something that was always so aggravating to me when I worked retail, this expectation that you're to be on your feet for eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I remember working at a register. We weren't allowed to have water at the register with us. And it's like, you want me to stand here for hours without hydration? Yeah. It's ludicrous. 
what else is it going to take, Camille, to get people back into, let's just focus on retail, back to retail. Is it kind of hopeless just because you're never going to be able to change customers? Or maybe there is some hope once we finish getting through the pandemic. I definitely think there's hope. I think, first of all, it's pay. I know what I was getting paid as management and my pay was a little bit higher than normal because of how many years I'd worked with the company, because of how many different jobs I'd had with this company. I'd worked worked at a uh, outlet location, then I worked at the call center after college. Like I I have a pretty like wide ranging knowledge of the company and have done a bunch of different stuff then was management. And then my, so my pay was a little higher to begin with. And then like at my location, everyone got a little bit more of a raise than was scheduled uh, because we stayed after the shooting. So, and I was still being paid like a ridiculously small amount of money yearly. Yeah, It's also at least at my location, because the hour, the mall's hours were shortened after the pandemic, they tried to extend them again, but a lot of stores, honestly, like just don't have the just flat out don't have the employees to like keep the longer hours. So shorter hours is nice. It means your schedule is a lot more consistent. I think there's just a lot of things with retail, especially that people don't think about having like a very inconsistent schedule, no matter what your job is, is like not ideal and pretty horrible. I like there were, even if I had wanted to like join a club or like try to join like an intramural sports league or something to meet people, like I can't, because I can't guarantee having, you know, like Tuesday night off every night for two months. Or whatever. Or you don't know your schedule until like the day before the yes. following week starts. So you really yeah. can't plan ahead. Like I I know I've heard that from people a lot over the years. Like, oh yeah, maybe I can meet with you on Wednesday, but I don't know what my schedule is this week. So I'll get yeah, back to you yeah. later, I guess. I think it's a lot of things. I don't think it's hopeless though. I think there are plenty of places um around the world where retail workers are not um treated like garbage. <laughs> yeah. And they're yeah. probably not having as horrible of a time as keeping people, but the, the pay number one, I think that is a huge, huge issue. Yeah. It increases people's feeling of self-worth and obviously it gives them more flexibility in life and all of that. Yeah. One last question from me is somebody um, who, you know, has so recently been in that kind of environment. I'm wondering what can we all do as customers to be better customers to the retail workers who make our shopping experiences possible. Um, What's like a a common pet peeve that we could all do some work on to make y'all's lives a little easier? Besides bringing you a chair to sit down in. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, first of all, I just want to say the fact that you even thought to answer that question means you're probably a fantastic customer. Um. Just remember that the person standing in front of you is a person and have a little bit of empathy with them. Like, I understand not everyone that you interact with every day is going to be having a fantastic day. Like the expectation of and not to say that, like, it's okay to be rude to people ever. Like, I would not let any I shouldn't say let I would definitely like have a talk, make sure that they're okay. If any, like one of my coworkers was outright rude to someone like that's not cool. Um, regardless of whether they're a customer or like your other coworkers, whatever, you shouldn't be rude to people around you, but yeah, definitely just remember that they're a person. Um, my number one pet peeve, this, uh, I actually had a shift over the weekend and I, I almost lost my mind. If you are returning something at a counter, 
do not just give the person across the counter your garbage. Like if you've, if you're returning an online order and it came in a bag or a box, mm-hmm. they are not a janitor or you're like, they're not meant to like, just be a human garbage can receptacle for you. Now I totally get like, they probably have a garbage can back there or like they might be collecting recycling and like, that's not a problem. Just ask, just ask like they're a person. Yeah. Don't just like leave your garbage in front of them or a lady threw her bag at me. Um, <gasps> what? And it was the worst part was like, it was not even rude. She wasn't angry at me. She was just like, oh, I don't want this garbage and like tossed it across the counter at me. And I was like, I, oh my God. I also don't want your garbage, but okay. Yeah. Like I have a garbage can. I'm happy to put it in there. It, it's two seconds of work for me, but anyways. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Camille, wow. I have a, you just reminded me of a story that I have for you that I'm going to share in after dark about working returns desks. I okay. feel like you oh, and I, I will be wait. able to commiserate about that. <laughs> I think if you don't work retail, it, you may just not know. I, yeah. It does kind of depend on where you go, but if you are nice, like there are a lot of times where it may be like outside of corporate policy, but if you're cool, if you're nice to me, I will do what I can to help you. Do not be an asshole. It will not get you anywhere. Um, like, and I say that with a caveat, cause I know there are places where literally they're like, they're not allowed to like make exceptions to rules. Like the system won't let them or whatever at the store that I work at. And, and most of the stores I've worked at before, like, if you are nice to me, I will do the return for you outside of the return window, or I'll work with you. I'll try to give you store credit. Like if you're, if your jeans that you're wearing, you, they ripped after wearing them two times, I'll like do what I can to exchange them for you. If you are an asshole, absolutely not. <laughs> right, right. Kindness yep. goes a long way. Yes. I I totally hear where you're coming from. I it's it's mind-boggling to me that people can behave that way to strangers who are just trying to do their job. I'll never understand it. They're they're just unique types of people who I guess are in really bad moods. But Laura mentioned After Dark in today's After Dark. We will be talking about retail nightmares. Obviously, Camille has worked in retail. Laura has worked in retail. I've worked in retail a little bit. We're going to share some stories. Also, we received some stories from our listeners. So it's going to be another gossipy episode where we go off on some customers who treated the employees poorly. So we'll get to that in After Dark today. Camille, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your insight and the stories that you shared. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. And uh, also really appreciate your love for bagels. (laughs) Before we get to recommendations, it's time for a word from our final sponsor this week, Felix Gray. They are the blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Gray set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. Since then, Felix Gray has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Thanks to these glasses, you can help reduce the eye strain, headaches, and insomnia that comes with staring at a screen for as long as we so often do. Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more of the blue light that's bothering you. Whether you're heading back to the office, back to school, or maybe you want to come up with a helpful gift idea for someone, this is also a thoughtful gift because it really does help help them. You can count on Felix Gray. Visit felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L to check out what they have to offer. 
These have been so helpful for all of us here at Millennial, and they look great too. I'm obsessed with wearing them on Zoom calls these days. It just puts me together a little bit more. So I really love wearing them when I'm in meetings and also when I'm podcasting. By the way, non-prescription and prescription glasses are available. Check them out now, felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash M-I-L-L. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L. It's time for recommendations. I had recommended that Beto Doc earlier. So Laura, what's yours? Um, so my recommendation this week uh, is shower bombs. And I know that probably sounds alarming, um, but these, they're not actual bombs. They are bath bombs for your shower. Um, so if you're like me and you don't have a bathtub that you can like soak in and enjoy a bath bomb, these shower bombs are designed to release essential oils in the steam of your shower. You just put them on the floor in the shower when you're in there taking a shower and it just releases these like lovely perfumed like rosy lavender type tones and it's very relaxing. Uh, you can find these on Amazon for like 15 bucks. That is such they were a such great a great idea. Find. Yeah. I know. Wow. Yeah. Definitely want to try these. I'm a bath bomb fan. I'm down for a mm-hmm. bath bomb from time Me to time. Me too. Cool. Good rec. And Camille, what's yours? Yeah. So with holiday shopping season come up, um, as much as you might want to go to a uh, large retail location, <laughs> um, my recommendations for something different. Um, I have recent in recent years gotten into the habit of for like birthdays, Christmas, whatever, going to Etsy and finding like specifically pop culture related gifts for people like stuff they like, um, particularly books. If people have like, if your family or friend has like a favorite book series, you can find so much stuff from like small independent artists, creators relating to that topic. And a lot of it is not, I know, like if it's, I mean, for instance, like Harry Potter, you can find stuff that's not like super obviously like Warner brothers, Harry Potter related, if that makes sense. So like the sweatshirt I'm wearing now is just it's embroidered. It says no mourners, no funerals, which is from six of crows. If anyone's out there is a fan of six of crows, cricket kingdom. Um, and it's just something like a little different, but with a hint of a nod to, you know, that thing, the person you're buying a gift for may love and you're supporting, you know, like a, someone's small business. Yeah. Love it. That's great for all those reasons. It's a thoughtful, unique gift. Mm-hmm. You know, don't you want to do something different for the loved ones in your life? Well, if you have any feedback about today's episode, you can contact us by writing directly to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. Also, and I can't believe we didn't plug these earlier when we were talking about our new social media manager, Chloe. Do follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, we're, like we said, really looking forward to having Chloe manage our social media channels. It's going to be great to have the Gen Z perspective on those channels. And I think she'll be changing them up in a bunch of different ways that we're really excited about. 
And uh, last but not least, we would love your support at patreon.com slash millennial. It's because of support from listeners like maybe you and definitely Camille that we are able to do the show every week. So we really appreciate everybody's support. It costs a lot to run a podcast. We deeply appreciate having help from listeners out there. And Camille, thank you again for your support. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, guys. You've been listening for a while, right? Since 2000, 2005, you said? Yes, I am an OG MuggleCast listener. Truly, truly wow. OG. Listen to everything in between as well. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for sticking with us all this time. Yeah, really. We've all grown it's up together. It's been a journey. Of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, when I told my best friend, I was like, oh my God, you won't believe it. I got an email from Andrew. She was like, Aww. what? <laughs> I love that. She doesn't listen, but she knows. I talk about, I'm sure a lot of people who listen know the they talk about you guys like they know you. They're like, oh, yeah, my friend Laura was talking about this one time when. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wait, the podcast I listen to. Yeah, Laura, no, I feel that yeah. way, too. Like yeah. I, I monitor the discord and I see things that y'all are saying in there and I'll bring that up in conversations with, you know, people in my day to day life. And they'll be like, oh, wait, yeah. who who's. That per- I haven't heard you talk about that person before. And I'm like, oh, it's just a friend of mine, you know, because I'm not I'm not going to be like, well, I have a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I also get it as a listener who's a fan of certain podcasters myself. Like, I would be freaking out, yeah. too, if my favorite podcaster contacted me. Like, yeah. So I, I totally get it. All right. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Camille. Bye, Bye y'all. Everyone.